It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey everyone, welcome again to the Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo of MLB Pipeline. They're both in Virginia at the Rookie Career Development Program. We're going to get into that a little bit. We'll also talk about the candidates to be number one in the new Top 100 Prospects list, which will be coming out uh, later this month. And then we'll get into some other stuff as well uh, surrounding that Top 100 list. But let's start with where you guys are at on location down outside D.C. Neither of you are in the snow that I'm suffering through here in New York City, so that is good news for you. But let's just sum this up. I know we talk about it every year here on the podcast, the RCDP, because I don't think a lot of people know that it even happens or what it's all about. So, Jonathan, I'll let you kind of lay the groundwork a little bit about what the Rookie Career Development Program is. Sure. It's a, it's a great program, a joint effort between Major League Baseball and the Major League uh, Baseball Players Association. Uh, and the, the general idea is to help uh, players who are on the brink of establishing themselves in the big leagues uh, deal with being in the big leagues. Uh, you know, So much of the focus for for professional players is between the lines, uh, you know, learning their craft. And this program it was developed to try to help them avoid the stumbling blocks that sometimes players run into. So it'll be media training. They'll have uh, sessions on financial planning, on how to deal with uh, difficult situations in the clubhouse with, with veterans when they first get up. Uh, so all the things that could potentially trip a a young player up uh, along the way, but the idea being that the one, you know, they want these players to make it or not make it solely based on their ability to perform on the field and, and not uh, hit any obstacles, uh, especially if they're obstacles that they could, they could have uh, avoided easily. And this, this program helps them avoid those. So the players all send, or the teams each send uh, a handful, three, four players each from their organization, usually guys that are getting pretty close to the big league level where this stuff is going to be a bigger factor for them in the near future. Some of these guys actually made their major league debuts in 2017. Jim, I attended one of these uh, a few years ago, and what stood out to me, because you kind of go into it expecting to see something, which is meetings and talking and players maybe drifting off. It's not like that at all. I was impressed with the amount of humor that's incorporated into it and the way that Major League Baseball actually makes this into what could be a dreadfully boring weekend. They make it into a really fun weekend for these players. No, you're exactly right. And I mean, we talk to the guys every year about their impressions and guys know what it is, but I don't think they necessarily know what to expect when they get here. And it would make for a long weekend if you you arrive on a, a Thursday afternoon and when you leave Sunday, all you're doing is sitting in these, these dull meetings for long periods of time and not interacting. There's a lot of interaction. They they have skits, as you mentioned, they they they, they have, you know, comedy, you know, to try to keep things light at times, so there is a serious nature to it. Um I, I think the thing that, that strikes me just about every year 
is there's a number of former players here. You know, I haven't looked at the agenda in great detail yet, but I assume Dave Winfield is almost always here. And you'll see guys in their spare time. There'll be like a group of five or six guys sitting around Dave Winfield picking his brain. Um, you know, they, they do a great job of, of making fun. They usually take a trip to D.C. and, and see the Capitol or, or some other sites. And, you know, it, it's not just, okay, it's a two-and-a-half-day conference and you're going to be sitting in a boring meeting room listening to people talk and talk and talk and not do anything. Um, they keep it very interesting. And, 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 look, I mean, the players probably wouldn't say so otherwise, but I do believe they're sincere. And all the years I've covered this, and I think that you've covered it, Jonathan, when you ask people, nobody's ever said, oh, boy, this weekend, uh, you know, I didn't really enjoy it. I mean, everybody usually has a pretty good time, and they usually wind up, I think, learning more than they expected to uh, about, you know, the various aspects of Major League life that they may not have considered. And, you know, Tim, you mentioned that there's a number of guys who who may have had a cup of coffee or been to big leagues briefly. Um, I mean, we almost always hear from those guys that they wish they had attended this before they got to the big leagues. It would have made their acclimation a lot easier. So I, it's, you know, I think a nice, it's a really nice job done by MLB and the players association. And then they, they, they work as partners in this. And, and I think it, it's a really positive experience for everybody. And, and we have yet to have a, uh, a a Chris Carter viral moment where uh, somebody tells players they need a fall guy like they did at the NFL equivalent. Uh, it's a really really good program. And it is. Come on, um... you guys were supposed to laugh at that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Both on cue. Very there nice. you go. Uh, we talked. To, I was mentioning the top 100 list that's obviously going to be coming out later in the month. A number of guys that are going to be on that list are at this rcdp as well um lots of talented guys son that i that you mentioned uh making their debut but when you look at the full list of players jonathan you guys actually get some one-on-one time with these guys that serves two process two uh points for one you get to interview them and we get some content for mlb.com on the other side of it it actually gives these players some extra training as far as doing interviews because depending on where they played minor league baseball they may have done more or less of that sort of thing so when you look at the list jonathan who's a guy that stands out to you that you're really excited to get some one-on-one time with talking to on camera yeah, it's been interesting, and you know, Jim and I, I think we we comment to each other every year. It seems that each year guys are more and more polished overall. That doesn't mean that they can't use the the experience, and we try to piggyback off the media training that the, that they do, and tell them, hey, this is a great way for 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 you to sort of practice in a very low key setting. Uh, and you know, there are a lot of like top notch prospects who are going to be here: Ronald Acuna, Victor Robles, guys like that. Uh, and then there are going to be guys who are going to be like really, really good interviews. Joe Jimenez from the Tigers is one. But the guy that I think I'm looking forward to catching up with again is uh, is Luis Urias of the Padres. Uh, I got to talk with him in the Arizona Fall League, interviewed him there. Uh, just tremendous personality uh, and and can really flat-out hit. Now, that doesn't come into play here, but I think he's a guy who's going to impact uh, that young Padres lineup in the very near future. It's just a really advanced bat. Uh, but he's one of these guys that has a a little twinkle in his eye, uh, and I like guys like that. So I'm looking forward to, to sitting down with him. We ask him some serious questions about the upcoming season, what to expect, and then we try to have some some fun with them and and ask you know some more kind of uh, featurey cut four ish type questions uh, as well. So I think he'll do well with that. Jim, how about you? 
Yeah, you know, it's nice. You get to see guys uh, that, that you've talked to, and there's in the fall league, or the college world series, or spring training. I, I was looking over the list, and none of these guys I've talked to over the years. I, I guess you know, one guy who, who just jumps out. Uh, I'll be curious to talk to Willie Calhoun. You know, a lot has changed for him in the last year. He made his big league debut. He changed organizations from the Dodgers to the Rangers in the U Darvish trade. The Dodgers were, were, were hoping to maybe make him a second baseman where the Rangers almost immediately moved him and played him almost exclusively in left field. So a lot going on uh, with Willie Calhoun since I, I last ran into him at the, the AAA All-Star game in Tacoma last summer. Uh, so he, he's one of the, the many guys I'm interested in catching up with. All right. Well, we are going to get into the top 100 list and who could be the number one overall prospect when it comes out in a few weeks. But before we get on to that, we want to take a second to tell you about the StatCast podcast, a show dedicated to the analytics that drive front office decisions in the modern game. It's hosted by Mike Petriello and Matt Myers. And a recent episode discussed StatCast implications for the big free agents still left on the market. That would be most of them, including the best team fits for Lorenzo Cain and Eric Hosmer. To hear all that, download the show from Apple Podcast or wherever else you get your podcast by searching for StatCast Podcast or by going to www.statcastpodcast.com. All right, well, the top 100 list, number one ranking, uh, the de- the debate got an extra infusion of excitement, I think, guys, when Shohei Otani officially came over and joined the Los Angeles Angels organization. So he's one of your candidates, but I want to go through kind of a few guys that are in that mix for number one as we kind of build up the drama, because uh, before we get into it, this has not been decided yet. We're not doing this uh, and, and saying that, you know, that for a fact, this guy's going to be number one. You guys have still yet to do your final debates on the topic. So we don't know for sure who will be number one, but we'll talk about the guys who are in the mix. One of them, Shohei Otani, and, and he's the guy that is a little different than the other ones, Jonathan, because obviously he's coming over from Japan. Yeah, and he's, he's just a different animal altogether. Uh, I think if he were, uh, you know, just a pitcher or just a position player, I mean, it would be exciting anyway. He might be the number one prospect, you know, as just a pitcher. Um, when you add the fact that he does both, and he does both extremely well, um, it almost makes it impossible to really rank him because he's in a whole different thing. I mean, how do you rank a guy who does two things so well against a guy who does one thing extremely well? It 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 makes it really really interesting. And you know, with with the caveat that he's not played a professional inning of Major League Baseball or anywhere you know over here. Uh, so then you get into whole discussions, debates over uh, how does baseball in Japan uh, measure up to baseball here? What does that mean in terms of trying to rank him on a prospect list? What's fair to expect of him? Um, y- y- you know, I think we uh, in the pipeline ranks try not to be ones who get caught up too much in, in hype. Uh, but I, I, you know, personally. I am as excited as anyone else to see what this guy actually does. You know, uh, and until we get to that point, it's that's a lot of guesswork. But similar to a guy coming out of college in the draft, I guess, and and he's played at a more advanced level. But I mean, in terms of the unknown, but it is an unknown that uh, we are all very excited to see how it unfolds from here. 
before the top 100 list comes out, you guys are actually going to do top 10s per position like you do every year. And that's kind of one of the fascinating things, I think, Jim, about this guy is that there's a right-handed pitcher list, there's a top 10 outfielder list, and he's going to be on both of them. No, you're right. I mean, I think, again, we haven't settled the list. I would be extremely surprised if he's not number one on our right-handed pitcher list and he would be number one on the pitcher list. I mean, I do think the majority of teams like him more as a pitcher, um, but they also like him a lot as a hitter too. But, you know, if he was just a pitcher alone, I think he'd still be in contention to be the number one prospect in all of baseball. But then you throw in, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the, the hitting the, the hitting side of things I think is a little bit more uncertain. I mean, the tools are, are extremely exciting. I mean, the raw power is top of the scale. The arm strength is top of the scale. Um, you know, the, the pure speed, you know, home to first is well above average. Now, you know, the, the question will be how will that stuff play? You know, he, he's not a base stealer. The speed doesn't play like that on the bases. Um, there's a little bit of a, you know, he, he gets out of the box pretty good, so I think it makes those times play up. And, and he swung and misses a lot, you know, relative for a Japanese player. And, and people obviously swing and miss more over here. It's a little different style of game. So, you know, are strikeouts going to be an issue? You know, we'll have to see. But all that said, you know, if you're grading them on the tools and, and trying to, you know, factor in, you know, whatever you make of the performance in Japan, like Johnson said, it's it, it's certainly above college baseball. You know, to me, Japanese baseball is probably somewhere between AAA and the majors. So you give them a lot of credit for having success over there. I mean, he, he's got to be right near the top of the outfield list, too. I mean, it, it, you know, in terms of outfielders, I would I would take Ronald Acuna over him, and I would take Eloy Jimenez and Victor Robles over him. But, I mean, at worst, I, I think Otani's the fourth-best outfield prospect in baseball. And, and then when you combine the two, it's, it's a pretty exciting package. And, I mean, we really haven't seen a guy try to do both on a regular basis. We've seen, you know, bench guys like Brooks Kieschnick and, and Christian Bethencourt try to do it as a way to hang on to a job at the end of a roster where they, they, they pinch hit and release pitch. But we haven't seen somebody try to pitch in rotation. And, you know, the plan now is that Otani will get, you know, regular at-bats at DH. We haven't ever seen anybody really do that at the big league level. Um, and, and so, I, like Johnson, I'm, I'm very much uh, looking forward to seeing, you know, what, what he does uh, in 2018 with the Angels. All right, another guy that can be discussed as far as number one, um, and if you take Otani out of it, would have been even more probably a, a push for that number one spot as a guy that has skyrocketed it in the last year as far as uh, how much people know about him, all of that. And he is there with you guys this weekend in Virginia, and that is Acuna, who you mentioned, Jim. And and he's a guy that just does it all on he obviously doesn't pitch, so he doesn't do it all like Otani. But otherwise, when you talk about all the other tools, he checks all those boxes, doesn't he? You're exactly right with Acuna. I mean, I mean, I think of the guys who were in the minor leagues last season. Uh, he's got you know more five tool potential than anybody. I mean, he was only 19. He got to AAA. He led the minors in hits. He was one of two minor leaguers with 20 homers and 40 steals. He went to the Arizona Fall League, and we've seen any number of guys who are top prospects who get to the fall league and, and maybe they're tired or, you know, I could think of at least a couple of cases where guys didn't really want to be there and they don't perform. Well, Acuna went to the fall league and he performed. I mean, he was the best player in the league. He was the MVP. He led the league in homers and a number of other categories. He helped the team win the championship. He looked spectacular. Um, you know, that's the performance component, you know, the, the, the tool standpoint. I mean, you're talking about, 
well above average power, at least plus speed. He has a chance to be a solid center fielder. He can throw so he can move to the corner if he needs to. I mean, I think the only, you know, you know, nitpick with him is you'd like to see him, you know, tighten his control of the strike zone a little bit. But again, this guy was 19 years old last year. So, uh, you know, there's really nothing not to be excited about with Ronald Acuna. And Jonathan, when you talk about Acuna, we're going to see him soon too, aren't we? I, I would think so. Uh, you know, maybe not right out of the gate. You know, give him a little more time in AAA uh, while I start his service clock. And he hasn't played that much in AAA, although he was very, very good there. But uh, you know, I would sort of probably give him a nice long look in big league camp, send him down to AAA, and just tell him take care of business, and you'll be up here by June. And uh, and I think that's probably what he's going to force their hand uh, in some way, shape, or form. You know, they're, they've moved to a, a youth movement, obviously, and he is a big part of it. And he accelerated the timetable last year, and they kept you know, letting his play dictate when he moved. So I think they're going to do the same thing. So I think that, uh, it, you know, that's why this program, you know, the rookie career development program will be will be really good for him to give him a sense of what to expect. There will be a lot of attention on him once he gets there as kind of the uh, the next big name to to make it up among their their prospects. And uh, he really can do everything well and and effortlessly. I mean, that was a really thing that kind of uh, I took away from his time in the fall league is that it didn't. It, none of it looked difficult to him. He wasn't pressing. He wasn't like grinding it out because he was tired. He was just about playing baseball, and it just comes so easy to him. And I'm sure he'll hit some stumbling blocks, but uh, boy, just the natural talent alone is going to help him push past those. All right. Is there, if there's another guy, maybe um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Is he a guy who's going to get any talk from you guys about that number one overall spot? I'm trying to think of another guy who who has an argument, Jonathan. I think he's the only one, and I feel okay. I feel badly because Jim is like our Vlad Guerrero Jr. beat writer. He'll get his chance. Um, but uh, just from the pure hitting standpoint, you know, he he might be the best all-around hitter in the minor leagues uh, when you combine you know the ability to hit and the power. Uh, it, it's going to be ridiculous, and regardless of where he plays defensively, I don't think it's going to matter. I think the bat is so special that he hits his way into this conversation. Uh, and, uh, you know, if we're going to go with the assumption that Otani finishes number one, then there will, there will be some discussion, I'm sure, about, you know, the next few, uh, or certainly number two and three with Acuna and, and Vlad Jr. Go ahead, Jim. No, I mean, I was going to agree with everything Jonathan said there. I mean, I think those are the three guys you're talking about. In my mind, uh, if you're talking about pure offensive production, I'd go with Vlad Guerrero Jr. I, I think, you know, comparing him to Acuna and Otani just as a hitter, I think he's a better hitter than those guys. And I think he might actually have – I mean, they're all going to have big power, but I think he might actually have the best power of any of them when all is said and done. But, you know, the, the other part of the equation is, I mean, he's – not a very good third baseman. He's probably going to wind up at left field or first base. I mean, with, with, with Vlad Jr., you're pretty much getting what he does at the plate. I mean, I, I think that the comparison you, you've heard on him since he signed, and I think it's apt, is Miguel Cabrera. I mean, I really think he could be the next Miguel Cabrera, whereas Otani, obviously you have the, the two-way aspect, and Acuna has a chance to be a legitimate five-tool center fielder. So it, it's a it's a fun argument. 
uh, you know, I, I, talking about anticipating what guys are going to do next year, not just Otani, but, you know, what can Acuna do to build on what he did as a teenager? And, you know, we'll see him in the big league at some point at, at age 20 this year. And, and then with Vlad Guerrero Jr., uh, I wouldn't put him in the big leagues at 19 and certainly not an opening day. But if you told me he just continued to rake and forced his way to the big leagues, I wouldn't be shocked because I think this guy's going to be an absolute beast. And there's a you, there's a need there in Toronto. They could certainly use another outfielder in the corner spot or something like that. So there's a fit if he does continue to rake. What about Gleyber Torres? He was a guy who was right there in that discussion at number one before the injury. He obviously hasn't proven he's back. But um, if we knew he was 100% and healthy, is there any debate there, Jonathan? Yeah, I think you could make you could certainly make uh, an argument, uh, especially if, if you know if you think he stays at shortstop, which he he could. Uh, he also would be very good at second. He's shown he can play third. He can really, really hit. Um, so all those things, I think, yeah. And, and and he hasn't done anything wrong. We try not to, you know, ding a guy too much for an injury, especially since it's not his throwing arm. It's not going to affect his throwing from shortstop, for instance. We'll have to see, you know, how long it takes him to get his rhythm back at the plate. But assuming that he comes back, uh, you know, we didn't. He, he's not knocked out of that sort of conversation in the top spot because of anything he did it's more because while he wasn't playing Acuna and Guerrero took big steps forward um especially Acuna who you know started in A and shot all the way up to AAA so it's more that uh guys passed him while he was standing still than than anything that he did negatively all right, one more thing I want to get from you guys is is a thought on a guy each who is not in the current top 100 prospects, but who will be in the new one that's going to be coming out later in the month. Um, uh, we don't know where these players would necessarily land, but a guy that you're excited about here going into 2018 that's going to make that leap for the first time into the top 100. Jim, you can go first. Well, you know I want to pick multiple players, but I'll limit myself to just one. I, I just, just with the Arizona Fall League fresh in my mind, I'd say Monte Harrison of the Brewers. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who, who was the best athlete in the entire 2014 draft, could have played college football. He was, uh, you can, anybody who wants to go on YouTube, you can see videos of him throwing down some monster dunks on the basketball court, too, as a Missouri high school product. And he was just hurt in his first two full seasons. He had an ankle injury in 2015. He broke a hammock in 2016 and really wasn't healthy until this year when he had a 2020 season in the minors. And the thing that struck me, and he looked great too in the fall league, and he was on the taxi squad. So he only played twice a week. And if he'd been in the regular lineup, he probably would have led the league in homers out of Cunha because he hit five homers and finished second in the league, even though he only played a handful of games. And the thing that struck me is, you know, talking to a lot of the professional scouts who, who worked there as on a fall league, who aren't necessarily guys who, who had history with, with Harrison as an amateur, because a lot of times the, the amateur scouts are different than the professional scouts. And, you know, I just remember talking to guys, you know, it seemed like almost every time or every other time I would talk to one of those guys out there, and we'd talk about whichever player was at the game we were at or, or somebody in particular, and it, would, it didn't take very long before it seemed like the majority of those guys would say, what do you have on this Monte Harrison guy? He's unbelievable. And like, they didn't realize that, you know, he was a, uh, you know, a top, top draft guy who just kind of, you know, and was fallen by the wayside strong, but I guess, I guess just, you know, kind of receded into anonymity for a couple of years. He'd been hurt. I mean, he, his tools are unbelievable. You know, he, he's, he's a big, tall, super athletic corner outfielder. 
And, I mean, and that guy could, could be a 30-30 guy at the big league level. So, uh, I think Monte Harrison jumps out to me. Again, we haven't really finalized the list. I'm still fine-tuning mine so we can kind of combine them and start uh, sorting it out. I'm not sure where he'll work his way onto my list, but I know he'll definitely be somewhere in the middle of my top 100. How about you, Jonathan? Yeah, he would have been my first pick, too. Uh, I did my first draft and then realized I had forgotten him, and I probably low on him. And so uh, I agree kind of around where Jim's guesstimating where he where he ends up. Um, I think the guy that I'm curious to see where he lands is uh, Helio Ramos, the, the Giants' first-round pick um, from last year, high schooler out of Puerto Rico, uh, who – I'll be the first to admit I do Puerto Rico for draft coverage. Uh, area guys did not see him that good. Uh, not, he, wasn't, he wasn't seen that well a lot uh, leading into the draft, and I think that, that hurt his stock. But then he went out, and uh, you know, the Giants, who are always ones to uh, sort of not necessarily go off the board because taking him you know, in the first round was not that big of a stretch uh, you know, later in the first round. But uh, – you know, he was not necessarily – he crept into that conversation late, and a lot of it had to do with the Giants' interest in him. He went in the Arizona League and hit 348 and slugged 645, stole 10 bases. Um, you know, I know it's only uh, 138 at-bats, but uh, it was such an, an, you know, an exciting debut, and he followed it up with, uh, you know, solid showing instructs. Uh, so I'm very excited to see what he does for an encore. Uh, he's going to be 18 for all of the 2018 season. He doesn't turn 19 until September. So I, you know, it would be interesting to see. Does he perform his way to full season ball right away? I'm going to say yes, um, and I'm curious to see how he does there. But uh, I know I put him a square in my top 100 uh Mike Rosenbaum uh, did as well. So I think he's, he's going to land somewhere in the top 100 for sure. Great stuff, guys. Uh, that list, that top 100, will be out later in the month of January. There will be plenty of content coming from the Rookie Career Development Program on MLB Pipeline coming up next week when you guys are back after doing all these good interviews down there. So enjoy yourselves this weekend. You're out of the snow, so that is a bonus. And that'll do it for this edition of the Pipeline Podcast. For Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in.